Hey, hey, you are listening to the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast, episode 65. You can have more joy and communication than you ever dreamed possible right now. So stay tuned. Hello, 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 my lovely parent friends. And apparently we are still friends and on episode 65 of the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast. I am your cruise director, Dr. Nikki Naradin, where we are going on this tempestuous, wonderful ride that I call Parentini. And it's fun and it's interesting and it's hard and it's overwhelming and all of it. So I'm in Nome right now and there is a tornado going on. I, it's actually a tornado that's made national news, which is so interesting because being in Alaska, Somehow we don't make very much of what we call the lower 48 headlines, but there is a tornado for this particular region up in Nome and the winds are going between 50 and 80 miles an hour. And I've got a couple of fishing villages that I take care of people on. And I'm concerned that somehow those villages might not be there or might not be safe in a certain way. So I'm waiting to see. I'm supposed to actually fly out to one of the villages on Monday, uh, Shishmaref, the one I normally go to. Shishmaref is like the poster child for beach erosion and falling into the ocean and climate change and decay and so on. And they keep talking about moving the village, but the people who live in this village have lived there for 10,000 years. Most of them are subsistence hunters and gatherers in the village themselves. And also because it's their land and it's native land, they don't necessarily pay taxes on it and they own it. So the question is when they leave, where would they go? And what do we have to offer? And it's clear that we haven't been completely open, honest, selfless and helpful to marginalized communities, especially Native American communities. So they have no real great reason to trust that if they moved to wherever they were going to move to, that things would be taken care of. I really do believe that we need a citizen's dividend or some ability to give people enough money so that they could at least have food, and healthcare. That seems like the bare minimum that we could do for the people that live in our country, the people that we care about, the people who are border, border encloses, the, the people that we trust so much and in some ways love so much to call this a great nation, a nation built on freedom for all and the ability to achieve whatever you want to achieve. That, that's what it was supposedly grown on. Now, clearly it was grown on the backs of, of oppressed groups that we've enslaved and people that we've taken the land from. So there's always been some, not dichotomy, but, but, but where what we say and what we do are not exactly the same. But but we have this great opportunity to make it right. We have enough and enough resource 
to actually do this well. So ideally, if my patients on that particular island would have a thoughtful place to go and enough to sustain them, at least, then they might consider moving. But up to this point, they are still on that island and living the best life that they can and they do great. And there's a bunch of resource on there. And I'm just hoping that this tornado actually doesn't do significant damage, but we shall see. And it's also really interesting to see how people react to it because there were a couple of people at the hospital, this one nurse in particular, that was so scared and so upset about this upcoming tornado. And it was more that she was worried for her own life and how things would be for her, which I found really fascinating because she had just moved to Nome and had never been there before and grew up in places where there were definitely weather conditions that affected them. And yet this particular circumstance was getting her very upset. Whereas I heard about the tornado and I thought, well, what can I actually do and what did I need to do? And when I realized there was nothing that I could do about it, I decided that I wasn't going to worry about it. Now, that, that's not new for me. That's, that's a bit of my own struggle where I kind of separate myself from my feelings. It was an early coping slash defense mechanism for what was a particularly rough childhood. Um, I have an autistic brother who was very violent and I stayed in the same room with him. And so I was able to kind of leave my body in some ways early to kind of protect myself. So my mind was gone and my body was there. And in some ways I still hold on to that, which makes it kind of easy for me to be a doctor. Now it's not that I'm unfeeling. It's not that I don't care. I do, but I don't feel the feelings so deeply and strongly that I become paralyzed by them. And sometimes I think I don't feel them enough. And I'm working on that as we're all working and evolving and doing whatever. But I wasn't really worried about that, about the storm. Now, I think that we all pick what it is we're worried about, probably based on what we might have had affected us when we were young what the adults were worrying about, what it might be attached to. So every circumstance could actually have a little bit of worried attached to it. I think of getting in a car every day. Now, if you really thought about what could possibly happen when you get in a car, like accidents, sliding on the road, depending on the weather, whatever it is, there's a possibility that something hard or bad could happen in a car. Yet, most of us get in a car every day and most of us don't worry about it every day because if we did worry about it every day, then we wouldn't be able to do the things that we need to do, especially because we live in such a large car culture within the States. So people need their car in order to get to exactly where they need to go. So, just given the circumstances, like getting in a car or maybe getting on a plane or walking to the store or whatever it is, you could somehow decide that 
there was something dangerous about that and then become worried about it. And the thing that I find so freeing about the idea and the thought that the circumstances actually don't create the worry in my mind and are not a true picture of what is going to come and how we could show up in the world gives us a lot of power to decide whether we want to continue thinking that thought. Now, back to the nurse who was really, really worried about it. It was interesting for both of us to talk about where I wasn't worried because in some ways she could see that there might be another way to look at it. Now, she was very attached to being worried. It, it was almost like she enjoyed being worried or there was some comfort in that kind of worry, or that was something that she was so used to doing that it was an easy thing to remember to do. And it was almost easier to do it, even though it caused her a certain amount of angst. And so I, I texted her today and it turns out she's fine and she had a friend come over and she got to cry a lot about where she was worried. And now she's watching some movies and she's fine. But I do think that often if we could get in touch with the idea that our worry is not necessarily a true picture of what's going on and that there might not be something specific to worry about or that worrying in and of itself is not very useful to us, then we might get a glimpse into some earlier place where we were worried, which is kind of the base of the pyramid of wherever that stemmed from, either something that happened early on or something that happened intergenerationally or something that's happening within society, all of it then we get to work even earlier and kind of unravel whatever the difficulty, the feeling, and the emotion was at a younger point in our lives. Now, if we could tap in to the emotions that we were feeling when we were younger and then be able to work on those things in however you like to work on them, I like to actually go back, think about them, and then develop whatever the feelings were that triggered them, and then allow those feelings to come out based on whatever the memory was. And sometimes you won't even remember what it is. But like I said, it's a glimpse into the possibility. And then I'll just make it up as I go along. Like, And I think often we make up our childhoods as we go along in some way, because the feeling is the thing that stays with us. And the actual events are kind of changeable and they're different for everybody. And we see them differently and we process them differently. And then they take different forms. So you can work on those feelings any way that you know how. You can meditate on them. You can tap on them. You can do a thought download on them. You can go back and be with somebody else and cry about them or laugh about them or go back and protect the little girl or the little boy or whoever you are that's listening to this. Go back as an adult with somebody else and protect them or say the things that you might've wanted to say then in order to work them out. And then you're working on it just a little bit more cleanly. So it's not really about the worry or the fear of the present moment, but somehow related to something that triggered you in a past moment. And I think it's, it's very freeing. 
I think if you have the ability to know that what you're worrying about could be an indicator of a previous worry, whether it be your own, somebody else's or the world's, then it doesn't take on quite the, the oomph, quite the angst. It doesn't have quite the, the punch or the pull that it might have at the moment when you're experiencing it. Now, I'm not saying that you have to get over the feeling quickly. I'm not looking for you to do that. But I think that you can actually feel and experience the feeling as an observer from the outside. And then you can have an awareness that there is something not completely true about whatever the feeling is. And when I say not true, it is a perfectly true feeling, but not necessarily true about the circumstance you're in and what the outcome will be. And that gives you a lot of wiggle room, a lot of ability to think something different, to decide something different, to look at a different perspective. I think that's extremely, extremely freeing. There was another thing I was thinking about and I was doing a course in miracles and I don't know if you guys know what a course in miracles is, but I really don't even know what a course in miracles is, but I think there was a Columbia professor who decided that that somehow the world was taking this negative turn where somehow we were believing all of our fears, all of our aggressions, all of the things that we thought were victimizing us, everything that we wanted to fight back. It became very, very selfish. And also the ego, which is the one that really does think about the self was becoming so large and so big that it was really hard to connect with other people. And so they put together this course in miracles and really, it's the idea that everything kind of starts in our mind, that the thoughts that we have are not necessarily the true version of reality. So you go through a different exercise every day. Now, I was just doing this on the plane back and forth from Nome, and I would do like one exercise a month or something like that. And basically there are 365 little exercises and really it's just about applying some principle to whatever it is that you're looking at or thinking about in your daily life and deciding to think about it just a little bit different, to see a little bit more peace in it, to not react in a certain way. Those types of decisions. And, and those are decisions that we get to make every day with everything that comes out at us we could decide to react, respond, or not. So there was this one idea that you are not a victim to the circumstances outside of you, nor a victim to the circumstances in your mind. And I think about that a lot because I've chosen a lot of the situations that I'm in, and I still have in some ways decided that I'm a victim to it. And that's pretty amazing to me because I'm not. So I'm gonna give you an example of it. I was sitting down and meditating. Now I've chosen to meditate in the morning. And if you've listened to my past episodes, you know that I think meditation is probably one of the most important things that you get to do to slow down your mind to watch yourself from the outside looking in and to be able 
to know that all your thoughts coming through are just thoughts and that you don't have to respond, react, or do anything about them. It, it's the time to slow down the momentum of all of the thoughts that have kind of taken control of your mind. Now, that doesn't mean that the thoughts don't come through. It just means that you get to watch it almost from an outside perspective, which is a place that you have more control over. Because once you think that the thoughts are controlling you from the inside out, then, then you have no, no power there whatsoever. You have no ability to change anything because it becomes too overwhelming. So I was sitting there meditating and I kept thinking, I don't want to do this. I shouldn't have to do this. Don't make me do this. This isn't too long. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, in my mind, I have victimized myself for the thing that I actually chose to do. I chose to meditate. I chose to sit there. Nobody told me to do it. Nobody had a gun to my head. I was doing it because I truly believed that this was a really important thing for me to do for my own peace of mind and evolution. Yet I was still feeling victimized by the choice that I had made as if I should be doing something else or should be going someplace else. And that's true about the job I have. And going to the small fishing village, which I'm supposed to go to on Monday, that I kept wishing I didn't have to go, that I kept hoping for bad weather, which we ended up getting, but I'm really not hoping for it. So something, something that I was thinking, and again, you don't have to believe all the thoughts you have. Your mind is this crazy thing that just offers thoughts up, most of them to protect yourself. And a lot of them just practiced and rehearsed thoughts. And I chose to go to this village. And I chose to have this job. And if I didn't want it, I could actually change something. And instead, I felt completely victimized by it. And so I started working on that thought that I am not a victim to my circumstance, nor am I a victim to the choices that I made, that I could decide to be as open as I can to them and as helpful as I can. And I could decide to make a different choice if I want to. So if you can, to use that idea about that you are not a victim to the circumstance that you're in. Now, I'm not saying that there are not a lot of oppressive circumstances that happen, but it's almost like we become a victim in our mind. And then we do the work of whatever the oppressive circumstances are. But if we can actually decide that we aren't a victim to whatever is going on. And we can always leave the situations if we want to. That doesn't mean something bad won't happen or something different won't happen, but the choices are still there. I was talking to a medical student about this before where often some of the doctors that I knew back in New York, when I would call for an opinion about something that I was confused about, usually I'd be calling a specialist sometimes they would seem angry with me. Now, these were specialists that were actually there to help me. I'm a family doctor. I'm just a primary care doctor, not just, but that's what I am. And I was calling to ask their professional opinion about something that they chose to do in a situation within the hospital that they were paid to be at, that they chose to be at. And they seemed angry and annoyed at me. And all I kept thinking was, 
I am not making your life hard. This was a choice you make. Your mind is making your life hard about a circumstance that somehow you feel was not in your control. I just fascinating to me. Anyway, just little tidbits and snack size ideas for you guys to think about in order for you ha- to have the most joyous, harmonious life in order for you to not have to respond and react and show up in ways you don't want to, but rather allow, let the situations come to you, decide what you need to change and not change, and all from your abilities to decide what to think on purpose. All right, that's what I got for you now. If you want to dive deeper into this, first of all, sign up for my loose newsletter at uh, Nikki at drnikkinaridan.com. That's Nikki, N-I-K-K-I at D-R-N-I-K-K-I-N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com. And then direct message me and see if you want to work together. Like if you want that joyous, harmonious relationship, you can have it now. I don't have a lot of time. I'm still working full-time in Nome, but I would love to help anybody that is interested in a lifelong ability to communicate while stopping whatever future generational traumas you see kind of unfolding. And really just having a big and joyous life, get in touch with me and we will figure out how to work together. All right. I love you guys. Bye.